Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast, coming in your ear holes once again on Wednesday here during the week. Um, I'm coming at you solo this week. Homie is on a family vacation in Texas, so it's just going to be me. Um, we got a good episode lined up for you. We got a Legend of the Woods um, episode, a full velvet buck, um, big full velvet buck. So pretty cool story. Uh, let's get the people to make this possible. We're going to get right into the show. Let's start off with Exodus Outdoor Gear. Um, guys, if you're not following this, their YouTube, check out their YouTube. They're posting content all the time. Um, they're doing a series now on some of the biggest bucks um, ever to exist, um, ever to be killed, to found. Um, they have the Whitetail Cribs they're going to be coming out with a ton of tactic driven episodes here in the near future. Also um, the Bill Winky episode, just want to give a shout out to that. Um, that was, I love Bill Winky and that was one of my favorite episodes for a podcast. And it was basically like a video of, of him, uh, like the true story behind Bill Winky, how he got his start, what he did. It was very cool. Um, and they got some real cool news coming out real soon here. Um, should be within a week or two of you guys hearing this. So make sure you'll be following their socials to see that. But as always, if you guys are looking for trail cameras, they got the five-year no BS warranty, best in class customer service. And uh, they're just decent human beings to actually do businesses, really solid people. Um, uh, next, we got rodonoptics.com, guys. If you're in the game for any kind of optic, bino, I'm actually going to have to purchase some new binos. My kids got a hold of mine. And uh, in the back of the truck, we were out deer cruising. And I had the, the spotting scope, and they had the, the binos in the back. When I got them back, they were in two pieces. So um, if I had a ride-on binos, um, I wouldn't have to worry about that because um, I got that, you know, lifetime warranty. You know, no, no questions asked. You break it, it breaks, whatever happens. Um, so now I'm just going to buy one and then uh, buy once, cry once, get that warranty. And um, if that ever happens again, I'll just be able to call and have one um, within three or four days, ship back to my house. So, all right, guys, here we go. 
get in this Legend of the Woods episode. Um, let's get right into it. All right, we got Adam Graham on the line. How you doing tonight, man? Pretty good. You? Doing good. Appreciate you letting me run the AC for a few minutes here. It's about 15 degrees cooler with just those five, six minutes that we chatted before the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the studio is, uh, is an addition onto my garage, and it's it's you know it's climate controlled, but only if we're in here. I don't run the AC and stuff if we're not in here. So I was like, I got to crank. I got in here. It's been 92 outside. I'm like, man, it's hotter than hell out here when I walked in. But yeah, been, I should have called my wife two hours ago. Like, hey, days. go out and plug the AC in, let it, or you know, turn the thermostat on, let it get cool out there. But yeah, it's nope. been a, it's been 100 degrees here the last three days. So yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's been pretty lukewarm. <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard to get motivated for deer season with uh with these temps, but uh. That's why we wanted to, you messaged us, and I was like, this is the perfect thing to have on to get people motivated for that early season right off the rip, uh, giant kill. Um, so go ahead and introduce yourself. We'll get right into your story. Yeah, like I said, my name's Adam Graham. Um, I work for the post office now I'm in western Kentucky. I was in the Air Force for about seven years, uh, just short of it. Um, did some deer hunting when I was a kid. Um my my dad was was big into waterfowl so we did that a lot you know we did the normal you know you hunt the opening week gun season never really got into bow too much um then was in the air force i was out in new mexico didn't even realize the opportunities i had out there until getting back now and now looking back on i'm like wow the the the, the hunts i could have been on out there and then i uh, ended in uh, omaha and um, never realized the potential Kentucky had for for deer. Like I, as a kid, I mean, growing up, it was, you know, you hunted for two weeks, you you shot, you know, anything you could that would would jack you up. Like we were saying earlier. So I killed a couple nice deer when I was a kid. Um, I I think the last buck I shot before this guy here was um, was an eight pointer had. 23 and a half inch spread didn't realize what i even killed and you know it was just it jacked me up i was 17 years old <laughs> um so got out of the military got back home and started realizing the potential that that kentucky was was growing and the opportunity to to kill a big velvet deer just man it jacked me up um so got into bow hunting, just I dive bombed in. Um, loved every minute of it. Got a small little piece, about 30, 40 acres. And there's a lot of logging that's been done in Kentucky. Um, and if you don't take care of it right after you log it, it, it gets thick. I mean, it gets it gets pretty wooly. And um, we had a little, you know, a little 30 acre piece, it wasn't much. And I grew in two years before finding this uh, this property. I learned a lot. Um, it was hard to hunt them deer in there, and I had a couple I was chasing. And long story short is we found a little piece, uh, ran into a guy that had about 30 acres and probably 10 minutes down the road, and I was driving 45 minutes anyways. I was like, well, this kind of works. Good, It's good uh, deer county. It's um, in Ohio County, so it's we're up in the western side, close to the Ohio River, um, Illinois. 45 minutes, Indiana's 30 minutes from me. So get to talking to this gentleman and uh, 
he had a bunch of property and was actually going through a divorce and was letting this property just overgrow. Didn't want his, his old lady to sell it off. So he was like, look, you know, you can go in here and hunt it. Um, didn't charge me much, but he's like, the only thing I ask is y'all keep it clean after I get it cleaned up originally. Cool, man. No problem. Like, um, got to looking on the topo maps. So this property ran more long than with, and it was on a, um, one, a creek, wasn't a, wasn't a river. It's kind of that in between can't really cross it. Um, so I think the widest point of this farm was maybe 600 acres from where the property started in that, that river, that creek. Um, and you had to drive past a person's house. You had to actually drive through their driveway to get to the property. So there was only one access in there. Property in length was maybe a mile long. So it's kind of a, I got to look on the topo maps and I saw a couple little pinch points. We got it during gun season of 2017. I was already hunting that other property. I was like, well, I'm gonna go throw some cameras in here and these couple little pinch points, just, just to see. I don't even know what it's like. Um, and whenever I get a new property around here, the farmers are, you know, kill these deer off, you know, my crop, they're killing my crops. So they let everybody just, hey, yeah, go over and kill deer, whatever. So whenever I get a new property, the first thing, you know, if I want to put cameras out or whatever it is, A, who's in there, first of all? B, what's in here? Am I even going to, you know, waste my time? You know, what, am, what am I going to do here? Uh, and right off the rip, boom, I hit, I hit his deer in this little pinch point that I would say he's probably 170s typical. And he's literally got a kicker, two to three inch kicker off, off each time. And I'm like, wow, okay. Um, so get to walk in the property and it, it's steep. It's, it's up and down. It's, it's gonna be tough hunting, but there's some good pinch points that from the river to the edge of a field is 30 yards and it's, Army Corps of Engineers comes down and keeps the, the, the banks clean. So it's, it's primal. Yeah, it's never been logged in certain areas, big trees, it's good hardwoods. And um, neighboring property had four wheeler trails right up and down the property line. I could see that right off the get, but there was nothing on the property that we had. So I'm like, okay, I never had any pictures of people. But I didn't really hunt it that much that year seen that deer i was already invested in another one on another farm <clears throat> um i had three cameras out at the time and three pinch points that i seen i caught a, a scrape on the other end of the farm which nobody keep even butt up beside that there was a road and a bridge and the river i mean you, you couldn't get in there there so i weren't really worried about that that uh, east end and I go in in February, get my cameras out, pull the card, and a slammer's on that other side. And I'm like, probably the biggest deer I've ever had on trail camera. And I think I sent you pictures of him. He's the one hitting that scrape. Um, and I'm like, there's, there's two giants running around here. Not very many does at all. So I'm like, okay, I got to figure this out. Um, 
we jump into the summer months and I'm, I'm looking at these places and there's only one good spot to hunt in the summer uh, for the for the south winds went in and put a little bean food plot in um, and about i think it was july 2nd start having three little bachelor group coming through and they were within a 30 minute window every afternoon coming from the same spot i'm just like cool you know, it got to 15 days in a row and I'm in their, their clockwork. I mean, I can still a little early. Um, I think our bow season comes in that first week of September. And I think that year was September 3rd. So I didn't put much thought into it. I'm like, it's still early. We're still out. You know, we're still two months away. Now I'm watching these deer and, um, the two that I had on camera are running together. Didn't even pay attention to the third one because these two are just, you know, one. They're both typical frames. One's got the kickers. Um, I sent you a, a couple pictures of them together. Um, there's one mainframe 10, perfect, typical. And if you see the deer in, behind it there, that's the deer I actually shot. And looking at that picture, I never in a million years would have thought this deer was as big as he was compared to that one. And that picture was taken about mid-August. So they're getting about their full potential that second, third week and never even paid attention to this deer. And um, I mean, they, they missed a couple days, you know, here and there, but I mean, for almost two months straight, they were, there, there's never been, I don't think there's ever been any hunt pressure on this property. And they're coming from where that neighboring property hunted. So going back to that trail cam photo, you can almost see in that field where that trail camera is, it goes straight up a hill. Um, that little field I'm hunting in, it's about a hundred yards across. And I, the topo map said it was an 89 foot elevation in that so i mean it's it's steep but once i figured out where these deer were coming it's i'm looking north south and i'm more of a tree stand guy i'd rather be high i think you can get away with a little bit more stuff um, than being in a in a ground blind but i had them pinned and i knew where they were coming out in this corner so i'm like all right I, i'm facing south the creek is 20 yards behind me and that logging trail kind of comes up behind it. So I got that first week of September off. How, I don't know, because everybody at the post office they put in for that week. I was a newbie there. They're like, hey, that week's open. I was like, give it to me. Like I got these deer pattern, like this is, this is gonna be easy. <clears throat> and, um, so we get to that opening week and I only hunt afternoons. I don't, I don't like messing with mornings, especially early in the year. It's just the thermals drop up and down. I figured the wind kind of swirled in that area. So I'll go in here in the afternoons. I got a week straight, surely to God, you know, they're going to, they've been patterned. They've been hitting through this area. Um, I had a uh, pretty much one way in 
but once I got to that field, I could come in kind of two different ways, just kind of depending just what was going on. So first night comes around and they've been hitting this field about seven o'clock. Um, last shoot was about 721, 719 that, that late at night. And first night, nothing. All right, you know, cool. Second night, nothing. Um, now, first two nights as I'm getting out of the stand, I hear something. I'm about 200 yards, 250 yards from that property line. Um, and he had a deer stand on the property line. I'm not one to kind of get up on somebody's spot. I mean, they obviously they've been hunting there for years. I'm not going to budge up on them. I won't want someone to do that to me. So the first two nights as I'm getting down, I kind of hear some, some weird noises. I'm like, uh, what? I, I don't know. Hunt that third night. And I heard it again. So that's, that was Monday night. I uh, started hunting on a Saturday night. This this is an animal. This is the it's the same time every night. Something something's something's down there. So Tuesday night, like I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of step back here. There's kind of a little bit of a rock wall that I could butt up against, and just I wanted to get an observation. So finding out that night, same time, neighboring property guy. Well, he's jumping in a John boat, crossing the creek, hunting on another guy. So these deer are coming from him. Like they're coming from his property. He doesn't even have a clue what's in between me and him. So I'm like, whoa, all right. These deer have been on a pattern because this dude just started doing this. He, you know, he hasn't been in there that much before season starts. And now he's in here every night crossing that creek. So I thought my plan was out. I'm like, crap. All right, well, these deer are done boogered out. Um, and chuck the other trail camera on the other end of the property. Not, I mean, there's not a lot of does. There's not, you know, really much going on down there. So I'm thinking, surely this dude's not hunting every night. Maybe I can come in here every night and there's going to be a night where he slips up and doesn't come and doesn't mess with them. Um, there was... A fourth little buck that was running with them, a little half rack eight, wasn't much. Um, so Thursday night comes, that little half rack comes out about seven o'clock. And I'm like, okay, maybe this dude's not hunting tonight. And then right at dark, that typical 10 steps out, looks around, and I'm like, all right, here, you know, he's coming out. It's about that time, he's about 40 yards, and it's getting dark quick. Um, he ends up sliding in there right at dark and I sat in the tree stand for another 45 minutes because I can hear him out there in the fields. And I'm like, I got to go back to work on Saturday. Um, so I got Friday night. I'm like, man, these deer have been doing this every day for almost two months straight. And the position I had at the post office that time, I'm basically hunting Sundays. Uh, that's it. So I'm like, I'm already Thursday night driving home, Friday. I'm already thinking about later in the year because I'm like, well, I don't want to go in here and booger them up too much. I got one more night, ride it out. And so Friday comes along and I get in there a little bit early. Just, I just want to be there. You just, you just never know. 
And man, it's about 6.45 and I'm pissed more or less. I'm like, man, I've, I was enthralled with these, with these two deer. I mean, they were just deers of a, like deer of a lifetime. And I'm sitting there, I'm playing on my phone. I'm, I'm my mind's just jacked. So I'm like, man, I had these deer dead to rights. And I know deer are unpredictable. Here in the early season, though, you can get them on a pattern and you can get them. I didn't know how I was going to be that rut. So I'm sitting there and it's about seven o'clock. I'm playing on my phone. Just I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm, I'm exhausted. My mind's shot and kind of happen to look down. And that half rack is 20 yards from me and come from the opposite way. I'm like, okay. So he caught me in my pants down. My phone's in my hands. My bow's on the rack. And I, dumb mistake. I get it. Happen to look over and another little buck comes out. Ever seen before. I'm like, okay. And as I'm watching now, I look over and this deer steps out and I'm like, cool. He's at 35 yards and just standing there. Just, I'm like, that deer's a lot bigger than I thought he was. Full velvet. Like, I'm not passing this deer. Like, not a, not a chance in the world. Mine's already right. So I'm like, all right, they don't. I'm sitting down. I'm, I'm tucked away. It's getting dark. You know, I can get away with a little bit more right now, but I got eyeballs kind of everywhere. And this time, you know, they're deer funneling out. So I'm sitting there and I'm just waiting for my time. And it, a squirrel, I guess, drops a hickory nut 15 yards behind me. And they kind of booger. And as soon as they all look away, stand up, grab that bow. Got it locked up, and I just all I got to do is draw back. My eyes are focused on him. I'm not worried about him too much. He's he's you know he's coming. He's one of the last ones to come in. So he's pretty calm and relaxed. They're kind of feeding this little bean food plot, and uh, they all start kind of working back in. This time, I look down my watch. It's seven thirteen. I got about six to seven minutes to make this right. I'm not going to take an unethical shot. Like these deer, they're not going anywhere. If I don't get him now, I'll catch him up to him here later in the year. So I got to watch and I'm watching the time, 714, 715. I'm like, all right, man, like, like we, we got to do something here. Like, come on, God, like, you know, he, he's got to turn. At this time, he's standing 20 yards straight at me looking you know he's feeding he's not looking at me but he's his body's right at me so i'm standing there and uh, same squirrel i guess drops a hit another hickory nut this time he kind of gets a little leery and he takes one step to the left turns that shoulder open just ripped it 18 yards and uh, knew i hit a good shot i had a loom knock didn't go off so it's getting dark and i'm like he he boogers out um, tail down and i see him for about 70 80 yards running 
man, like going through my mind again, like, why did I not not go off? Like, well, wait, I know I hit it, sounded good. I mean, just that thud. I shoot 70 pounds, so I know I ripped the ring. Um, so I'm like, okay. And holler up my dad, smoke, good one. Didn't realize how big he was, but man, he jacked me up. That full velvet when he was standing there for that 10 minutes. My heart went racing, and I don't know why, but I, I afterwards, man, I about fell out of the stands. I was jacked up so much like anybody else would be. So it's about a 45 minute drive from, from where we live to the farm. So my dad's like, head back to the truck, come out there, I'll meet you. We'll figure it out. So he ran the way I have to walk out. And uh, like, man, I'm not gonna look. I kind of look for some blood and the beans are only about knee high. So they're not very tall. We didn't have really good uh, production out of them. Didn't see any blood, couldn't find my arrow. What the crap? Like, did I hit him in that no man's land? Like, nothing. Uh, get up to the truck and wait for my dad. And about 20 minutes goes by, and I hear some coyotes start ripping off. Oh, that ain't good. He was kind of running down towards that creek. So I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm, I gotta walk down here. I gotta, I gotta look. Right where he ran in at, I kind of just shine my light down in there, just to kind of see it's about 40 yards of woods in between the field and, and the creek. And as soon as I turn my light on, boom, white belly. And I'm like, ooh, all right. So backed out, I uh, wanted my dad to be there. So we got up in there and when I lit him up, I was like, what did I just do? Like, there was no ground shrinkage on this thing. And my dad was jacked. He was like, what? And uh, ended up scoring 179 and three eighths. Um, he's a he's a 12. He's a he's got four on one side, about five on the other. Um, he's got a couple kickers. Um, the left beam was 26 inches. The right one was 24 inches. Ended up scoring, I think, like 166 after after deductions. But just he had a couple of little pieces of velvet missing, bladed brows, bladed G2s, just beautiful. I mean, hella time links, man. Hella time links on him. The the left brow, I mean, it, it or the the left main beam, it's it, I mean, it just does a U. I mean, it's yeah, it's almost like a lot of bucks are like. They got good brows, weak twos, decent threes. He's got good brows, good twos, good threes, good fours. <laughs> you know, yeah, he's the, all uh, out. The right, the right G2 was, was only nine inches, uh, only nine inches, but uh, the G4 was 10 inches. And then he, um, he hit the bottom of his rack while he was growing it. And I ended up calling him Zeus. He, the three on the, on the right side there, come out kind of like a trident so i was like oh you know zeus you know that's what he is so he ended up kind of growing out a couple abnormal points where he had jammed a stick or something in his rack while he was growing it and shot it out but uh yeah he's a he's definitely a a, a very cool deer 
So you can almost see yeah, that, that left hook on there. Yeah. So crazy how that beam's just like, whoo, I'm cutting yeah. in. <laughs> and then you can kind of see where he had oh, hit it. Got a, yeah, he's got a mess going on there, huh? Kind of got an outside kicker boy. And, um, yeah, he uh, kicked two of them out there. Nice. So and one there. But, yeah, I mean, blade it. Blade it yeah. out. It's cool how everything loops in, you know, on that deer. Yeah. Makes uh, it look like, you know, he's tall, but you know when you, you put a tape on those and they're, you know, like you get that curve in it, you're like, oh, shit, these are bigger than I thought, you know? Yeah. So. A couple couple takeaways I had is, uh, you know, you were talking about you got a trail cam picture of him and you weren't really sure on him uh, the size-wise. Uh, and something that we've known over the past or learned over the past few years running a bunch of cams and getting velvet bucks is some of them grow way different than other ones. Like some, you think everything else is about done and he'll put on 20 inches way late than some other deer that's already done. When we got freeze the year I killed him in velvet in the towards the middle of the end of July, we thought he'd gone downhill. Like we thought he was going to be like a hundred and a heavy framed, heavy, you know, 160 class deer. Cause he just wasn't, his time length wasn't there. You know, his mass was there, but I feel like those bucks take so much time to grow the mass and stuff that they don't start shooting tines, but we've learned these deer are all different. And just cause you got a buck that you're like, man, he's decent, but he's just not there in velvet. When next time you pull the cam, he could be there. They grow at a different rate. Uh, just like people, I, you know, every year. And I don't know if it's genetics or what nutrition they have or what it is. Some of them are late bloomers or what's going on. Cause you see some bucks now that you're like, damn, that, that's a solid deer already. And then, Later in the year, another deer that you thought was smaller ends up being bigger than him, and it happens every year to us. So, well, the the two that he was running with, I, I'm a huge. I love a big, like just a framey typical. Just and and that ten and that twelve that he was running with were. I, I don't know if I just I locked in on them because they were just so framey and they had time length. Um, I, I'm not. 100% sure, I'm 95% sure. We ended up losing that farm um, the following year. We actually had signed a three-year lease with this guy, not even knowing you know, what was there, but getting a good piece of land around here, it, it's kind of tough. And I was like, look, I don't want to waste some time on you know, one year. Like if uh, I'll go ahead and pay you up front. He ended up... Um, Avoiding the contract after the following year, and I'm not gonna lie, I didn't tell him I shot this deer on this property. He was letting me hunt it. You need yeah. to keep private around here. I'm paying mm-hmm. him money to hunt there. You know, to me, yeah. that's my. I mean, I'm the same way. Most of the time, I don't tell landowners kind of what I. That's burned me a couple times on when when they sell the property and the picture of you holding the deers in the ad to sell the property, you're like, damn, you know, that's yeah, kind of- ended up finding out through another person that he ended up leasing it a couple months later for three times, what he was leasing it to me. And I'm that's like, goes. but, um, the next year, the, 
other side of the road, not the guy that was crossing with the John boat, but um, shot a 212 inch 12. And I almost damn, it was, it was that deer on the other side of the property that, but I, I didn't really put a lot of time in him because he was so random. Um, I couldn't, I didn't have a lot of time on the property anyways, um, mm -hmm. the full year. But yeah, and I, I sent you a picture of him and he was an absolute tank. I tried to get my dad on him and he was, he was an old deer that, I mean, he knew we found his rub lines. He, I think we had him hitting eight pine trees that were telephone post size within about a 50 yards. I mean, he had the area torn up, but you just, mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, he was, he was a tote. He was massive, but. I had an eight pointer that we hunted for a couple of years and I almost shot him the, the one year. And then my grandpa ended up coming up the next year and had an encounter with him. I kind of was setting him up for that. And he was kind of one of those ones that we get some summer trail kind of pictures of him. And then he's random and you're just hoping in the rut. And my grandpa, I told him, I seen him coming and I, he's from Missouri, Southern Missouri, the deer aren't real big. And I said, there's an eight pointer coming. He said, yeah, he's down here chasing does. I said, no, there's a, there's a giant coming. And he said, he got the text message and looked up and he was out there. My grandpa was like, that is the biggest deer I've ever seen in my whole entire life. He's like, I've seen 12 pointers that were smaller than that deer. And I was like, I had him at 75 yards and I snow wheezed at him and scared him. And, uh, uh, that's one of the multiple bucks. I won't snort weeds a big deer now. I just, if they're really, really big, I don't, it, it's everyone I've ever done it to, it spooks them. So, but anyways, neighbor ended up killing that one. And it was 184 inch eight pointer. Yeah. And the guy that uh, mounted the world record buck, uh, actually mounted that same deer. Um, so I got to see the pictures of it mounted and everything on that guy's, I was scrolling through his Facebook. I'm like, Oh shit, that's that eight pointer that, the guy from Pennsylvania shot and just shotgun buck guy just down here from Pennsylvania and just smashed it absolute giant. But my grandpa still talks about that deer. He's like, man, that thing, the body. He was like, I drew on it. It spooked. It was at 30 yards behind a little bit of brush. I just didn't take the shot. I'm like, Oh man. But I encountered the deer two times in four years. And it's kind of yeah. like that. You just get a giant and you can't really bank on it. You just kind of got to put the work in to, to uh to see if it happens but another thing i want to mention is you know we talk about early trail cams how we don't run them but for you getting to start a full month earlier and for a lot of guys down there in that area that get to start earlier i think like you said trail cams are your most valuable tool right now because if you can get something on a pattern like that it seems like september 15th all patterns are gone for us um we've had some rarities where like homies buck last year he daylighted every day until the day we shot him you know sometimes you get some crazy stuff like that but uh you know running those trail cameras early is on those spots and having that secluded food plot that you had um, like I said no one's ever put anything in there and then you put it on that hill so you know those deer are like oh this is a little they got places that can get out of that food plot quick you know it's not like a giant ag field or something tucked back in there so I think that was key you know running the trail cameras is key and then you know, props for you for keep going because a lot of times, especially early, you ain't seeing shit. You're kind of like, man, it's it's tough to keep going that early. 
because you're like, I'm ruining it, I'm screwing it up, but you knew the Bucks were in there, you know, and if you would have not went that last day and said, hell, I'm just going to wait, you never would have killed that deer potentially. So props to you for just grinding it out because I think the more I talk to people, I think especially if you have a spot like that that you feel like you got a shot if you do bump them up, you know, you got it. You got to rip it if there's yeah. anything close to patternable. I think it just depends on the property too. Cause I mean, you know, you, you can hunt the same spot on one farm and never mess up anything, but you hunt two or three days in a row on another farm and you blow it out for a month. And I think what helped with this one was there wasn't a lot of does in there. Um, so what deer were traveling through there knew the property. They knew it um, when we put that plot in, cause I've had it happen where you come into a new farm and you find a trail system or, or, or a corridor that they're moving in. And I know a lot of guys were like in Kentucky, you know, you, you can bait, you know, you can put corn down and you, you can supplemental feed all year long. And they automatically start throwing feed out. Well, them deer were in my eyes, they were already traveling that anyways, they don't need something else because I think of that's going to trigger something in their mind. Like, Hey, like this, this, what, this hasn't been here in the past. Why is this here now? And you have a camera flash and it just kind of seems like it throws some variables out there sometimes um, with this one. How I kind of had them coming through this field. I just wanted to give uh, just a little bit of something to maybe kind of stop them for a second. And it worked, you know, that yeah. time. <laughs> another thing i had wrote down here was doe numbers um something that we've noticed throughout the last you know five six years running a bunch of cams hunting multiple different properties is a lot of times the biggest deer aren't with the does early they're not even they're by themselves secluded in a little batch of the group in a small kind of shitty piece of timber somewhere or something that's out of the way we've had bucks in velvet where there's no no bucks with them at all we've had bachelor groups um, we get a lot of two and three packs where two bucks like to hang out together. And I think that half rack was probably those bucks, the satellite buck to kind of mm -hmm. let you go out first. And, You're yeah, the decoy. <laughs> you were, he was always the one that went first. And I believe that's the thing too, is the buck that I'm after now, I actually killed his satellite buck in the summer uh, <laughs> a couple of years ago on that same piece. So, uh, they were always together and I seen that deer and I'm like, Oh shit, that's Huffy from, a mile away, you know, you don't even think you're going to see him, but, uh, uh, but yeah, I think, I think early season doe numbers matter when I don't, I don't think the bucks like to be around all the other deer. I think it's more competition for browse, more competition for cover. And like you said, if there's less does, there's less chance of you getting bugged by something going in and out. So you can hunt a little bit more. Yeah. Um, the best, you know, and then during the rut, you obviously want the opposite, but, I do think the urban piece that I hunt, there is a max number of does. Like there's just too many does out there. When you see a buck, it, it's so right there. You don't ever have a pattern on bucks because the deer don't have to travel at all. So mm -hmm. there is a buck there. He's got 30 does. I went out there one time, seen 24 does and 13 of them were in shooting range in one hunt, you know, and I'm like, and I'm in the timber, like in the Oaks, like in October, I'm not even on a field where like, they're you way out see. there. I can see 150 yards, you know, there's just deer everywhere. 
um, you have to shoot a doe out there to be able to shoot a earn a buck tag out there because um, it's a population control hunt. But uh, there's not a lot of bucks there early. Um, very seldom at all have I seen a buck or got a buck. Now late season I see some, but also I don't see as many does there late season. So I don't know what the factor is. Of course during the rut there's a few that trickle in there, but there's something about doe a big group of does. But I was thinking about it. I was talking to a Buddy just a couple of days ago and. We've been seeing a lot of deer in the corn eating corn silk socks right now because they're corn planted later this this yeah. year, and uh, we never see like a bunch of does with bucks with them. It's always like a group of does and then a group of bucks. They're off doing their own thing. They're not like together, you know. So there might be something to that right now. They they don't want to hang out with them until their time is right. Kind of like us, you know, you don't want to hang out with them all the time. You got to hang out with the bros. This is the bro time right now. I think so. it gets so hot that they're just, they don't want to mess with them. Like just, just get away from me. You know, just like when your old lady wants to cuddle with you at night. Yeah. Like yeah. now, get yeah, away. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's something to that. You know, if you got a property that maybe loaded with does, not saying there's not going to be a buck there, but there's probably a bachelor group somewhere else. That's yeah that's hold up um but like you said that time of year hell shit you can have a property with no bucks to a property with 10 bucks you know in a week and a half right there so that's kind of cool that it starts early but it's also probably devastating because if you don't get it done you're starting back to you put all the work in to get it done you know that first week or second week and if it don't happen then it's kind of probably a different ball game yeah right i mean that. It's like it's kind of like two seasons in one um with us coming in, we're one of the earliest states there are, us in Tennessee, and you can catch them on that first week. And But if, if you don't catch them on that first week, week and a half, it's kind of up in the air till about the end of October. Um, yeah. they, they disappear. It's crazy. Um, and it kind of breaks up the season a little bit, but then again. Yeah, you go hard and then kind of take a break and then go hard again. <laughs> kind of kills your birds a little bit too so you're yeah. Like, yeah you get something patterned you're like oh yeah this is this is the year and then it don't click in those first two weeks you're like man i gotta start all over on this buck oh, and probably find him even you know if he makes the switch but i don't know how many times me and homie said you know oh if we could start september 15th or september you know first or first you know seventh it's just but it would take a couple of years and the deer would probably switch. But right now they're just like every day, daylight on our food ply, hitting scrapes, like every day, day after day, after day, after day. There's a, and then the one property, it's like, if you haven't killed something by the 5th of October, it's, there's only it. one that daylights from the 1st to the 5th and you just got to pick your day. Yeah. And hopefully the wind's right and go in there and hunt and, you know, we've, we've went in there on days and we're like, oh yeah, this is, this is the one and hunted. And then it's the next day, one day lights. You're like, damn it. You're running a mobile cam. You're like, well, pick the wrong day. And then after that, it, like you said, it's kind of a ghost town until later in the year. But yeah, I, I like the patterns. I like early in the year and I like late, late in the season. Uh, the last one I shot a year ago was um, December 26th. Um, didn't see him for all of all of December, and he hit Christmas Eve, 
Christmas night on my cell cam. Of course, you know, it's Christmas Eve, Christmas night. Yeah, you're like, of course. <laughs> and he's hitting five o'clock. I'm like, he's in there. Old lady's like, you better go in there tomorrow. And sure enough, he he was in there. And so I bet it's something about the rut. I mean, it's just, it's fun because you never know. But man, it can kill your spirits because mm-hmm. you just wear yourself out. You're either in the action or out of the action in the rut. There's no in between. You're either on a really good property that's holding a bunch of bucks and does, or you're hunting somewhere and you're just hoping for something to trot by. It's, it's yeah. and, and I've had both. I've had, you know, the property I killed him off and a lot of my bucks. It is just best property I ever hunted, man. It was incredible. And I, like I said, I I dedicate a lot of my kills to that just having damn good property because it was just so incredible and now the last few years kills have been different they've been like okay we really gotta really gotta grind this i thought you know hunting five six days in a row was tough back then now i'm going 15 16 days in a row and still not killing shit you know so definitely tough but all right man well i appreciate you coming on uh is there any you any instagram or anything you want to shout out for people get a picture of this buck other than the one that we share on our page yeah um my instagram handle is adam.gram333 um he's on there so yeah so he's in my eyes he's beautiful oh yeah he's super cool dude full velvet you can't beat that man definitely an absolutely legendary deer real unique rack how he swerves in like that and to uh like i said to hear the story of you grinding it out all those days and it finally coming together on your last day is pretty sweet so appreciate coming on and sharing your story with us man wait man appreciate y'all all right well i hope you guys enjoyed this legend of the woods episode um awesome story absolute giant velvet buck you know putting the grind in there all all that first week and not getting it done thinking it's messed up having neighbor problems and uh still getting it done on a really awesome buck so uh, I love these Legend of the Woods stories, man. They get me excited for season. And uh, it's really cool to hear just normal guys out there getting it done on, on world-class deer, what we're, what we're trying to do every year. Um, we started recording the series um, for uh, this coming year. And we also are talking about doing a, another um, series of every day we're hunting in our recation. Um, so um that's in the works we're coming at you every every day again like we did a couple years ago it's absolute grind to hunt come home and record and release episode but excited to put together for you our series for the seasons come together very nicely um some super awesome episodes going on in that and uh like always we appreciate you guys being here appreciate you guys tuning in week after week we love you guys um we know we're not the best podcast but damn we try to we try to do good. So we appreciate you guys hanging in there. Um, like always, try to do the right thing. Try to leave a legacy. And Whitetail Legacy is out.